All righty. It's a very special edition of BuddyCast. I am here with my new buddy, and you know him, you love him. He's the man, the myth, the legend. I'm here with my new buddy, Sinbad. How you doing today, sir? Man, I'm good, man. I'm good, brother. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic and good health and very excited for this episode. All right. <laughs> uh, yep. For those who don't know, I mean, it's hard not to know. Sinbad is a very famous actor, very famous comedian. Um, I believe your father was a preacher too, wasn't he? He was, man. My dad was a preacher, man. Real Ab- cool cat too, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he's just, a, we're honored to have you on the show, like I said. So speaking of your father, do you mind if I start out by asking, with your father being a preacher, did he install like a lot of life impacting lessons on you? Of course, of course. You know, you know, I mean, it, you know, you think about, um, you know, I think any good father was a preacher now, but my dad, because coming from a religious aspect, always had a morality. It was always a moral code to everything that you did. He didn't, he didn't try to tell me what to be in life or tell me what I have to do, but he did install in me a moral code on how to be with people and treat people. Sometimes, you know, people piss you off so much, you ain't got, it's hard to respect them. And my dad was trying to show me a way to, to always respect, but it's that fine line between respect somebody, but, you know, stand up for yourself and, and saying what you have to say, but give somebody the benefit of the doubt so they don't no longer deserve the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. Did yeah. those lessons play into your career, like your comedy or your acting? Oh yeah. Everything. I mean, I carried that stuff with me to this day. It wasn't a temporary lesson. It was something that, uh, it forms who I am. And I think it forms who my kids are, maybe who my grandson will be. I mean, those are the lessons, life lessons that are handed down the pike and, and you hope they go with you forever. Awesome. Did I hear correctly? You're a grandfather now? Yeah, man. Five months old, man. Oh, congratulations. Five months old, man. Five months old, bro. That must be the best feeling in the world. It is. It is a cool feeling, man. It's it's um, it's wild to watch that your life lessons go to your son as he raises his son. That's, now I get a lot about my father, how my father had this crazy pride and stuff. You know, I want to do something. Come on, dad, quit tripping. But now I get it because I'm that same guy now. I'm that same yeah. dude. You're the same one. You're the same one. Oh, I'll take care of him. They now. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, yeah. They're getting ready to bring him up. No, because today's my my son's uh, him and his wife's uh, verse anniversary. So you oh. can't do much. So they're out in the back having a little dinner. But they're gonna bring him over when he wakes up. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's sweet. Now let me ask you this: How did you get into comedy? Let's go down to this road. Oh, it was uh, yeah, it was God. It was um. I mean, it's, that's, a, that's a hard thing because it'd be like, how did I get into basketball? How did I get into music? Mm-hmm. I, I just think it was everything that influenced me from time as a kid, watching TV and seeing things. And I like people that were funny. And I don't know why I wanted to be funny. Maybe it's because it's a way of being liked. And then on top of that, it's a way of saying things to people. If you couldn't fight yet in life, I could take a dig at you in a funny way. And I think that was my early way of, of trying to fit the crowd. Plus, something was always in my brain that I saw things outside this box. At that at that age, you don't know. So I look back now, I say, oh God, that must have been it. But when, when it's happening to you, you don't know why. You just, man, you've always been that crazy dude. Then I thought it was my job. It was my job to go somewhere and lighten it up before I became a comic. So I was always trying to make light of a situation, make things funny. Oh, that's, that's beautiful. So mm-hmm. is that um, the same way you went into acting or is that a different story? But acting was, you know, I think every kid, I mean, you can talk about the 60s and 70s and man, movies and TV and, and, and was so big. Hollywood was big then. But remember, there was no HBO. There was none of that stuff. I didn't know how you get there. I just knew I knew I wanted to be famous from the time I was five years old. 
I know I didn't want to be a, a regular person. I didn't want to have a nine to five job, but I did. If I did, I want to be a scientist. I wanted to be an explorer. I didn't want to do anything that everybody else could do. And I looked at entertainer and I thought that was so special. And I said, man, I want to make money and I want to be rich and I want to take care of my family. So that back then, that's what I saw. Nice. Nice. You remember like when you first started out, what it was like? Yeah, it was, it was, no, it was fantastic. I mean, remember I, you go through a lot to get there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm playing basketball in college, getting kicked out the military was the air force talent show, but then jumping in that car and just taking off and riding around the country. That was that, that was me paying my dues. And mm -hmm. I loved it. I don't have any like, Oh God, I would never do it again. No, I, I would. I, I loved every moment of it. Even, even the bad days. I even loved the bad days. Mm -hmm. A bad day of comedy is better than a good day at work. It is, man. It always is. Absolutely. Now, um, do you remember, like, um, do you remember working with any notable comedians or have there been any that you've truly, like, have truly oh, stood God, out man. to you in your career? Man. I've, um, I got a chance to work with all. I got a chance to work with all my all my heroes almost. And I got Red. I got Red Fox. I got a Richard Pryor man. And then I got Bill Cosby to work with. And I got Robin Williams and, and George Carlin. So, dude, it's not who. It's like it's so many of them. Mm -hmm. I got I got a chance to you know even like with uh, oh god, uh, even old kinds like Buddy Hackett and guys like that. I got a chance to sit and hang with them. And then all the new guys coming up. So that that Chris Rock era and all that. All those guys, Bernie Mac. All those guys were around. Mm -hmm. What was it like working with Robin Williams? See, Robin, we did. I uh, never, I never got a movie. Or I want to do a movie or a TV show with him so bad. But we did these award shows, and and he'd be hosting or I'd be hosting. Dude, that's when I, I saw something where I said, okay, his brain works like mine. And actually, it was in before I got to Hollywood. It was a San Francisco comedy competition, and Robin Williams showed up one night. They said, well, Robin's gonna go on first, and all the other comics. I'm not gonna follow him. I'm gonna like this. Here's my chance. I said, if I can follow him, because those are the big dogs. I'm not trying to beat somebody that nobody knows. That's not bragging rights. I said, if I can get on stage and follow Robin Williams, I know I'm in the right path. And I did. I followed him. He got a stand ovation. And I said, I'm coming right back after him. And I got done. I got a stand ovation. And he waited around and said, man, who are you? I said, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. You didn't introduce yourself to him or anything like that? Yeah, we know. He, he sent me on stage already, but afterwards, you know, before the show, I said, hey, Robin. He didn't know me. I was like, hey, Robin. I was, it was like 1985. I hadn't, I, had, I hadn't even done. I just got through doing Star Search. And I, I, had just, I hadn't moved to L.A. yet. This was on my way to L.A. Okay. And uh, so afterwards, when I got done, see, I, I wanted to see if I could catch him, catch his <laughs> eye. So I caught his eye. He said, man, who are you? I said, ha, ha. And we got a chance to talk for a second. Absolutely. That must have that must have been an, uh, a conversation you would never forget. You know, I don't. I won't because that's the that's the feather in the cat. That's the that's the acknowledgement I was looking for. I was saying, can I make can I make a guy who's established look? Can I make you look? It's like when Allen Iverson crossed over Michael Jordan, and 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 Michael Jordan stumbled. We said, Ah, all right. That's the student and the master out there. Mm-hmm. That's definitely now. People like Robin Williams. Have you, you know, I asked you about comedians earlier. What about actors? You know, you've worked with, you worked with Arnold. You, you know, Arnold, Phil Harbin, uh, God, uh, you know, I, I, but you know what? There are so many actors I have not had a chance to work with. There's, 
Man, there were so many people I wanted to work with, so many funny people and so many drama I wanted to work with. Man, I'd love to work with Denzel, man. I would love to work with Sandra Bullock. Man, there were so many people, man. There's people today I want to work with. I'm still, I'm not giving up, man. Only thing is now I got to play people's grandfathers. I can't be the young cool dude no more. I got to be the old, the old grandfather who's who's wise and crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'll take it. I'll take it. I don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when you and I, you and I met before this, and I asked you, what was it like working with Arnold during Jingle All the Way? That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, we you know it was different because that was the first movie that really wasn't mine. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was just you know a, a co-star with him. It was. It was fun. It was fun. To, hey, this is not mine. Now I got to blend with somebody else. I said, how can I mix with somebody? And he's at that international superstar status. So for me and him to bond and kind of clown with each other, we, and we, man, we we kind of went from not knowing each other and. and his crew was kind of standoffish at first with me to last. I'm going to earn my spot, dude. I ain't worried about y'all. So I got in there and we got to having fun and he let me try different things and then he would try different things. So, man, it was a great experience. That's awesome. That's yeah. totally, I would, I'd be starstruck if I was working with them. <laughs> you know what? He's one of those people that's larger than life. You know, you mm-hmm. work with a lot of people, but he's, he's larger than life. You, you realize, you realize you're working with a superstar. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Now, I know speaking of your work, a lot of it, of it today has been impacted by this pandemic. Uh-huh. What, are your, what are your thoughts on it? Let's get that question out of the way. What well, you, you know, it's it's the first time ever, I mean, that we have a worldwide situation, not just like, okay, here in Michigan, you're not working, or here in Cali, you're not working. It's not even the United States. I mean, no one's working. Everybody's trying to figure out how to work. Entertainment, mm-hmm. we're probably going to be some of the last people to come back because we we need an audience. And the one thing they can't get together is an audience. So I, I'm just, what we do is you have to figure out the new way. And this mm-hmm. is cool. You know, we're doing, we're doing shows and they're not, they're not, see, that's my dog right there. <laughs> so we're, we're doing shows and um, it's not being in a, in a theater, but we're doing the best we can do with what we're given. You know, we're doing the best what we can do. I'm trying to use what I have right here and, and, and make it work. I miss being in front of people. I ain't gonna lie. I miss. I'm. I'm so tired of sitting down and looking at Zoom. I'm. I don't care how good they make it. I don't care all the software. Yes, cool. No, no, it's fun. This will be a nice supplement to working live. You know, I wouldn't mind doing this at the house. Like, hey man, once a week I'm at the house. I'm doing something special and cool. But the rest of the time I'm doing real stand up. Mm-hmm. This now has become the real stand up. And yet you, you also gotta be careful. You gotta be careful as an entertainer. If you do too many of these shows, you're not special anymore. Mm. You know, if you do too many shows, because I think I'd be honest with you, I'm, I'm starting a show of my own next Sunday on the 26th. And I might cut back on doing a lot of different people. So, man, this may be one of my few last ones, Nick. So, I feel honored. Yeah, I feel man, because, <laughs> because after a while, you get burnt out because you have nothing else to say. Life is supposed to be, hey, man, let me go live a little bit, give you something to say. Let me live a little bit. Let me have a project. But if you haven't had a project in a while, I mean, you just, you just keep talking about the past all the time. Mm-hmm. Hey, speaking of projects, um, what are there any projects you're working on now? You mentioned you have something coming up soon. You well, you know, we, yeah, we, we just that's just online. It's the, it's the Sinbad. It's called uh, Sinbad, uh, the world according to Sinbad. Well, no, that's one segment. It's called Sinbad, keeping it 98. So we'll be doing that like every Sunday starting on, on July 26th. I'll be putting all that information out there. If people just follow me on Sinbad Bad, you'll see me put the information up. But it's uh it's uh it's um it's it's uh it's gonna be different because I gotta figure out how to do that. But I like talking to people during the week anyway. So I'll be doing that show. We actually it's first time I'm trying to charge. I've never charged for a show online. Mm-hmm. I said, Well, I figured if this is gonna be the new way, 
I, I just watch what other people are doing. Let me see. Bands are charging this much. I'm finding out what is the sweet spot. So I don't know how it's going to work, man. It might not work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you never know until you try, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You never know. It's like it's like comedy. You never know if this joke is yeah. going to work unless you try it yeah. in front of people. So this one, you, you know, I'm just going to I'm going to fill it out, see what goes on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned like earlier, we were talking about how you see like you're getting tired of like the Zoom shows and everything. Yeah. Do you find it? I know, I know personally, I find it different. Like I, you know, I'm like you, I miss that live entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that like when you do, like, let's say you do a Zoom show, do you just like find all that? You obviously find all those like missing factors. Like you, like, do you think it's going to be difficult when you try out this new joke or something and dealing no, with I don't see my, my life is more about a conversation. I'm not like, oh, let me see this joke. Something just comes out. I, I my thing, all I need is a jump off point. Like I start talking to people. Like if there's a zoom in of 40 people out there, I'll find somebody to start talking to, just like I do when I do stand-up. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of opens the door up in the flow. So thank God my kind of comedy lends itself. That's not just joke line, joke line, joke line. I think that's harder on Zoom. I don't know. I don't work that way, but uh, I think that's harder. Because me, I don't need that joke line, joke line. And everybody's got to be, oh, God, that one fell flat. Because I might do something you didn't know it was a joke. I'll just keep on moving to the next one. Nice. Nice. I saw something on Facebook today that you posted a quote like about your method saying, like, you don't let, like, you don't lead the audience. You let the audience lead you. Is yeah. I come out, you know, I've got my thing, but if the audience wants to go in a different direction, let's go. I guess mm -hmm. I'd be like that band going, what do you want? <laughs> you know, you'll take a request, but you got you got your songs. Hey, man, what y'all want to hear tonight? That's what mm -hmm. I look at it. Mm -hmm. Not that yeah. I say, hey, give me, I want me to do some old material. I don't like that. I won't do that. But hey, man, what do you want to talk about? And that way, I sometimes get back to what I want to talk about. No, it's more like a conversation. So I'm not just giving you everything. I want you guys to give me something too. Most definitely. Now, um, speaking of audience, speaking of fans, do you have any like feel good fan stories for us today? Like anything off the top of your head that you can remember? Like any encounters like after shows or something that truly left you like, wow. Well, the, the main thing was when I, um, I was trying to be famous. Mm -hmm. now, and I just done Star Search. I just done Star. I think one or two episodes of Star Search. And, you know, I, you fly out to California, do Star Search, and then I go back on the road as a comic. You leave the next day, go on the road. Well, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in LA. I'm in, um, I think, out in Westwood by by UCLA. And I had that time, I had, my hair was blonde. I had feathered earrings. I made it possible. You didn't have to go. I think that's Sinbad. There's nobody else that would look like that. So I had the blonde hair. I had the feathered earrings. And I was going across the street and somebody said, oh, my God, that's that guy Sinbad. And I said, yeah, I'm famous. <laughs> so that was my first. And that time you're so giddy with it. I ran back across the street, took pictures with people. I was so excited, man. <laughs> oh, definitely. Had to feel good. Had to. Yeah. You know. And um, now you said like when you were first starting out, let's take your whole career and kind of like do this with it. Do you have any, what were some of your favorite movies that you worked on? If you, um, without being too biased or anything like that, you know? House Guest was, was fun because it was my first. It was the first movie that, you know, that I'm going to carry this movie. And you don't know how that's going to work. You don't know, hey, man, I hope I can act. I hope I'm funny. I hope it translate, translate you know, to the big screen. 
Uh, but the next thing, I, the one I'm really proud of is it was for HBO. It's called Cherokee Kid. It was a black cowboy movie. And I'm so proud of it because I snuck the fact that it was black cowboys past HBO. When we started writing, I was rewriting the script. I was putting all these names in, but it was really black cowboys. So when it came time to cast, they go like, what? I saw these are black cowboys. You know that, right? <laughs> and like, they couldn't say they didn't know history. Because of course I know they didn't know history. They don't teach black cowboy history. So <laughs> I, I got I got a chance to sneak something in that I always wanted to do. And I hope to do part two. I didn't think it would take this long, but it's called Red, Black, and Deadly. This is a book that's out called Red, Black, and Deadly. And I want to turn that into a movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I don't usually talk about politics in this show. So uh -huh. a special guest. I want to kind of ask you a personal question. With mm -hmm. everything going on today, you know, not just COVID, just the whole stuff that's going on out there with just the riots and all that stuff. How are you viewing it? Like, how do you? See, everybody, everybody calls it the riot. First, people start with the riot. Right. First thing I, I start with, I say protest. Protest. A riot, comes, a riot comes out of protest because when you bring in oil and water and you bring in the police and you start shooting people with rubber bullets and all this stuff, it becomes a riot. Mm -hmm. There's a way. There's a way to have a peaceful protest. There's a way to make a protest work. But I think the nature of a protest is not always to be peaceful. Mm -hmm. I, I think when you have a peaceful march and nothing happened, nothing changes. Think about it. If you march down the street and you got your signs and everybody's on the side like this, and you go by like, "Oh, I'm glad they're gone." But when there's confrontation and people start shouting, that's real emotion. I want to see how you really feel about me. You know, I'm not shocked what you call me. I'm not uh, shocked by the, the language of a racist. I'm not shocked by any of that. I think who was shocked, what was good was for the rest of America. There was a segment of America that didn't realize how strong racism was in this country, where people said, oh my God, I thought it was gone. No, man, it's, it's never been gone. And I don't think it could ever be gone. So I don't even call it politics anymore. It's called life. What people call politics, it's life now. Name me a person who can get away from politics now. Name me a person who's not affected by what's going on with the job. COVID became a job. How it affects your job, how it affects your money. It's, it's like this perfect storm hit. You had COVID come, and then you had a protest. You've got everybody who's pissed because no, everybody's tired. Nick, everybody's tired. Well, I, I believe it. Now, even in your world, man, the world you're dealing with, people are tired of people calling them names. People are tired of you judging me, and I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you got to stop, but you might get hit. See, I'm I'm beyond that turn the other cheek now. I'm not like, oh, there goes, there's go Karen. Let's film her. Let's give Karen. She wants to be scared. Let's scare Karen. I'm at another level now, bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm, at, I'm not here to film you in a store without your mask. No, man. Let's see. You got something to say to me? We go, I'm gonna wait for you outside. You want to be real. Yeah, it's 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 time, it's time for the letting stuff go. I, there's moments to let stuff go. But something, I can't watch somebody abuse somebody. I can't watch somebody holler at a woman. I can't have, watch somebody holler at somebody with their kids and I just stand there with a camera and film that. <laughs> now, nowadays, people have to put up or shut up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you if you really believe that, say, okay, I don't, I'm not a woman, but when I listen to Me Too. When I have to listen to Me Too and I'm listening, I say, okay, man, I might not get all this. But then again, no, no, no woman has ever, no man has ever come at me and treated me in some way and I felt helpless. Now, I felt that being black, I've been in, in jobs where I'm like, I'm about to lose this job because of the way this guy's talking to me and I'm not going to let that go down. But I've never been in a position, I said, where a woman sometimes can actually physically be scared because how these men act. So I have to listen to them and there would be no, there would be no 
discrimination. There would be no sexual harassment at work if men would speak up. Mm-hmm. If, a man, if a man said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But dudes are so quick, like, hey, man, that's John. John didn't mean it. Yo, no, John's a creep. And, and you can't keep defending the creep. Mm-mm. You can't defend the guy who's got the loud mouth. You can't defend the guy, the guy who's who's racist. You can't defend the guy who's sexist or, or stereotypical. You can't you can't defend that guy anymore. Absolutely. He's not you. going away. The guy's not going away, Nick. But we yeah. don't have to take it. Bullies will never go away. There's never, I mean, I look at the young generation. We're gonna have anti-bullying. Bullies, matter of fact, sometimes bullies make you stronger. Let me get let me get this straight. Sometimes people rub you the wrong way, of pushing up on you the wrong way makes you more compassionate for the next person. Mm-hmm. You because know, when, you, when you've been bullied or you have somebody do this, you actually get an affinity to help people. You know, I, was, I felt that way when I was young. Now, if I see anybody come at somebody wrong, I'm like, I have the flashback of what happened to me and, and I'm not going to tolerate it, man. Mm-hmm. I ask that because I'm a strong advocate for dwarfism awareness. Yeah. I'm on the, we have the LPA, Little People of America. Okay. I'm, on their, I'm on our um, state board. I'm the advocate director. And I feel you, what you just said with that answer was the most real this show has gotten because that is what I am saying today too. Like, you know, you can post all the stuff on social media. Like you can post all the videos like you yeah. said. But it's when you're standing up for the person. It's when you're. You know, for example, I'll give you a quick scenario of something that happened. Do you, have you ever listened to the Zach Brown band? Yeah. So the Zach Brown band did a little stunt with dwarfism where they brought a little person on stage to wrestle an average height person for no reason. Just they what what they do? What they do? So they brought a little person, a person with dwarfism, on stage and had him wrestle a average height person. Like it's basically you against me. And it just looked funny. They thought it was funny. Yeah. They did it in Fenway on a concert. So, you know, Fenway Park, it's at least it holds thousands of people, you know, like um, it has a lot of alcohol consumption with concerts and all that. So there was actually a little person working that night who described, you know, he got an interview later and said the walk on his life, like the walk out of that stadium was like, I know God, man, it it was, it was a walk of his life. Like he, had to like he was petrified he was scared like it was it's like kind of it's a little bit of what's going on today with some people how some people feel you know like how well, some dude, people on ease feels unsafe now because of all this stuff that's going on well man look what i came up with i came up with guys throwing uh uh you know small little people up against walls with velcro they mm-hmm. used to have bowling they would they would take little people and it was it's called midget bowling and they would yep. take them and throw them down the lanes yep but i was always like this why is that little person letting them do that? Mm-hmm. And I can't judge you, because I know people got to make money. And I know, because I, I I can say the same thing. Why is that black person sit there behind Trump or whatever, you know? But mm-hmm. I'm like this. Why is this guy letting mm-hmm. these people throw him down the lane? Because it's hard to fight the regular people when the little mm-hmm. person said, no, I'm cool with it. I'm good. I'm like, yeah. dude. Cause then you find like I'm fighting harder than him. You know what I'm saying? I'm ready to fight the people in the bowling alley, but he's like, I'm good. They said, Sinbad, he's good with it. I'm like, man, I'm, I, I just, I'm glad we don't see that dumbness. Every once in a while you'll see it like that. But mm-hmm. that was on a regular basis. Dude, that was on a regular basis. They had tournaments and stuff, man. Yep. And it's still a thing today, unfortunately. It's Is called crossing. It? It's basically. They still do that? I thought that was done. It's more of an underground sport, but it still exists. 
it was in a it was in a movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. With uh, I know, I saw that. I saw that. Because yeah. they did it because that's what those guys really did. And the Wolf yeah. of Wall Street, that's what those those jerks yeah. did, man, back then. Exactly. To me, I am a full advocate against it because yes, you're you say you do um you do get some people that will sell out. You do get people that hey, if I can get yeah. fifty minutes yeah. of by all means, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like your average Joe. You tell the average Joe walk across the street and get hit by a car, and we'll pay you thousand yeah. dollars. You know, but okay. that's that's different. But then yeah. we have bum fighting. We take mm -hmm. a, a, a homeless guy. They call it bum fighting, and they give him alcohol and tell him to fight. That's that's not cool. Now mm -hmm. you got two dudes who just want to fight. Hey, this is backyard fights. That's different. Yeah. But if you yes. say, hey man, I'm looking for this homeless dude. If you say specifically. I'm looking for a bum. Remember mm -hmm. that guy had video. I don't know if you know about this, Nick. There were videotapes. This guy made money. It's called, or he'd give money to get in, sit in a uh, a uh, shopping cart and push him down the hill. Mm. It was it was called the Bum Olympics. Yep. We actually just had a case here in my hometown where um, supposedly some people paid a homeless man to shoot fireworks at him. What? And exactly, exactly. He was. He had a disability. Like, I think he was autistic or, you know, yeah. had like a learning disability where he couldn't necessarily like make those decisions on his own. And like people yeah. had to explain to him that that's wrong. That's bad. But these people said like they would pay him to shoot fireworks at him. And he's sitting there on the street corner, like on the street and they're, they're like firing these things at him. And I'm like heartbroken. Like I'm like, they should have also gone to jail. I don't know if you saw the guy who he's got six years in prison. He paid a, a homeless cat to do a backflip off a seat off a top of a building, like a, like a two story building. Pay him to mm -hmm. do a backflip, and he videotaped it. So now he's doing six years. You know, do six years in prison. Mm. See, Absolutely. that's the thing. People used to not get time. People used to not uh, have to feel any repercussion. They'd be like, "Hey, that's bad." Uh, do an apology, but now they're giving people time on this crap, man. Absolutely, and they should. They should. Now, now, let me ask you what you feel about this. Say uh -huh. in the Wolf of Wall Street, because they were depicting what really happened, what they uh -huh. what these guys on Wall Street was doing. Do you have a problem with it? They if they show that truth, it's like in movies so they show they treat black people. I'm like this. I have to watch it. Like I watched Twelve Years a Slave. Uh -huh. It has to be out there because I have to watch it. So in that instance, it's it bothers me, but it has to be watched because some people don't believe it's real. So in Wolf of Wall Street. It showed how decadent, yeah, how decadent these rich guys were, man. It does. The one thing that I was against it is they do it in a comedic sense. Yeah, if they were to do it in a sense like what you were saying, twelve years a slave. Yeah, if they would do it to show that point, to show that like, okay, this is something that truly happened. Like if it was a movie yeah. advocating for dwarfism, then yes, yeah, yeah, by all means, I would, I would watch it. I would say yes because I would show my future kids one day and say. This is what's going on. Like yeah. this is the truth. You know, I would show that if I ever did motivational speaking or something, I would say, "This is what we've learned. Like this is what we've done." But at the same time, they did it in a comedic sense. So their intention, I should say, was to, you know, yeah, these people did it. But at the same time, let's, you know, let's enjoy what they did. Like let's. Okay. It's at least that's what it seemed to me. You know? So I looked. I looked at it this way when I saw it. Mm -hmm. The guys they were portraying did it in a comedic way. Mm -hmm. The guys they were portraying that 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 asshole that mm -hmm. that Leonardo DiCaprio was playing the real guy, mm -hmm. they thought it was funny. But for me, as a person watching this movie, it mm -hmm. made me go like this: 
I'm glad they got the time they got. It just made me realize that they have no purpose on this earth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm seeing it. Yeah, the guys who did it thought it was funny. Mm -hmm. But for me and the audience watching, I'm like, okay, I see how sick they were. I see how how just wrong they were. How no morals, no feelings, no, no empathy. So that's how I took it. Like, okay, show them how, how crazy they really were. Show the how love what level they would go to. Absolutely. Even with their racism and their sexism, how they treated women. I said, I don't think they could sugarcoat how bad these guys were. No. I would just hope I would just hope they would have somebody, you know, like, like a dwarf or little person consult. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's that's what I think is important. You gotta have somebody, okay, man, I know you're gonna do this in the movie, but let me look at the script and, and let me tell you what I feel about it. Bingo, you hit the nail on the yeah. head. Yeah. So let me ask yeah. you this on that note. Let me ask you this. Have you ever gotten offered a role that you've taken a look at the script and gone, no, because you know, like. Oh, many, bro. Intentions. Many, yes, I'm, I'm not doing this. Or I'll come in. See, because, you know, you want the job. So I'll come in, but I won't read it the way they wrote it. Mm -hmm. And they'll still be funny. They'll go like this. Yeah, okay. They'll, um, okay, could you read it the way it was written? And I'll just do, the, I'll do another way. And I'll keep doing another way. And they pick up, oh, he's not going to do that. So without me saying I'm not doing this, because I actually told one person, you didn't mean to write this, right? The writer was in the room, I said, you didn't, you didn't mean to write this, right? You just you just didn't know better, right? <laughs> and the room got real quiet. I said, because you couldn't have meant to write this. Because if you meant to write this, I would feel some kind of way about this. And then when I left, I walked out. I know I'm not getting this movie, but I saw some people, some friends of mine. I saw actors. I said, man, if I see any of y'all in this movie, if I see any of you guys do this line, I'm letting you right now. I'm going to look at you different. But then again, I don't know if you got to pay rent. I don't <laughs> know where your life is at right now. I, I was lucky. I was a comic. I could go on the road. I said, but if you take it, bro, and I see you, you better tell me something. You better say, hey, man, I had a car payment coming up. See, I, I'm never going to judge a guy when he takes it because I don't know where he was at at that point in life, trying to keep his insurance or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. But there's some people who just take it. Hey, man, I'm just going to do it. Hey, I'm getting my 15 minutes of fame. I'm doing Yeah, yeah. I'm the hey, I know it's a job. I'm doing yeah. this. <laughs> I'm getting up on that big screen right there. I don't know about you. Yeah. But, and there are some people like I'm yeah. going to do that today, you know? Everybody, everybody's not built to do the right thing. Cause usually when you do the right thing, it you know, the right thing means you, you usually lose something, bro. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when you do the right thing, even if people marching, people lost eyes, people, people lost lives, people lost limbs, people lost senses because being pepper sprayed and hit with rubber bullets and all this crap those you got to respect those warriors you have to respect those who like i'm not coming home the same way i left and i don't even know if this is going to fix the problem i don't mm -hmm. even know if it if in my lifetime this fixed anything truth and this truth. is probably the first protest this is the first ever in my life this has been the first movement the black movement ever in my life I wasn't out there on the front lines because I'm worried about COVID. So think about, it. I have to make a choice about, can I be on this line? But I got a grandson at my house. I said, if I go out here on this line and can't I can't weeks. bring this home and I don't want to die. I don't mind if I go out there, I got to fight for something believing. That's a different death. But if I died from a virus because I was standing too close to somebody, that, that, that life for me, that's why I respect those young people. Even the older people went out there and got out there like that. And I said, There'll be a moment when I'll have to make that choice. There'll be a time when I'm gonna have to make that choice. But until I do, I said, let me do as much as I can in my part. Like in the military, there's all kinds of roles you can play. 
And now maybe at this point in my life, there's another role I have to play until I need to get out there and do that thing too. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this question. You brought up your grandson and I think this uh -huh. is a perfect opportunity. What's the world, if you could formulate the world for your grandson right now, with everything that's going on, you know, what do you want to see when your grandson gets around, let's say my age, like in his twenties or, and is it, what, what's the world you want to see for your grandson? I'm, I'm going to tell you something, man. It might, it might be a little depressing to you. Mm -hmm. I don't have much hope for this country, for this world. I, what threw me off, I know people my age, I always should say my generation and the generation ahead of me has to die. We have to die out with all our thoughts and all our racism and all our hatred. And I thought maybe this new generation could be brought up, but I'm seeing a lot of 30 and 40 year old and 20 year old races out there who've been indoctrinated by the by the older generation. I said, Jesus, they're racist. There's an inherited racist. They don't even know why they're racist, dude. They, they weren't even around. So it's like, you don't even have a basis on your mm -hmm. racism, on your sexism. You don't even know why you hate. And that's even worse. Cause you got a hate that has no, no foundation. That's, mm -hmm. that's insanity, bro. So I look at my, my grandson, I said, man, I hope there's a chance. I hope there's a chance for him to have a life. But then again, I know my generation as, as black people, as men, as, as women, you still can find a way, even with all this insanity, even with all this racism, even all this, every ism, every ism out there, every kind of bias out there, there's a still a way. And I don't, that's cause I'm just gonna be straight up. I believe in God. So if I didn't believe in God, I would just think I was down in this chaos on earth. I would have a gun on my hip and I would walk with an attitude and I would hope somebody say something stupid to me. But because I try to keep that heart open, you know, you got, it says preserve, a, uh, have a tough hide to tender heart. That's a hard thing to do. I'm a, but I want my son to have, I'm a grandson to have that tough hide and a tender heart. I don't want you to be weak, I don't, I, but I want you to still have room for love. Mm -hmm. I don't want you weak. It's like the peaceful warrior. There's a book called The Peaceful Warrior. I want my grandson to fight. I want to learn how to go. I want you to go to range. I want you to fight for underdogs. I want you to be tough, but I also want you to enjoy life. I don't want you to be so busy in the struggle that you can't enjoy life and, and, and find a wife or whatever you, whoever you marry, whatever you go to, whatever you do in your life. I want you to find joy, even in all this insanity, man. So mm -hmm. I, I'll tell people, my, my grandson, I don't know where this world goes to. I don't have much faith in mankind after watching what I watched. I don't have much faith in mankind. I have faith in faith. I have faith in in the in the those who are good out there. I have faith in those, but I don't have faith in a lot of people out there, man. We thought America, we thought America was better. I thought we were better than what we are. I thought we were better, man. Absolutely, and it's totally understandable. Yeah, it's totally understandable. Now, you mentioned a lot of advice for your grandson, like you mentioned how you want him to stand up for himself, but at the same time, yeah. be a living character. I've got two pieces of advice I'm gonna ask you for, for all those who are listening out there because you're a role model to many. For number one, for anyone out there who wants to practice stand-up comedy, for anyone out there who wants to be a stand-up comedian like you one day, what would, what would you offer them right here, right now? It'd be the same thing I would tell you if you wanna be a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or engineer. You got to work hard. There's a book called, I always keep saying this on every show, but there's a book called Grit to Great. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee uh, of what thing will get you over. There's no guarantee why this person makes it, that person doesn't make it, and they come from the same place. But one thing that is a common denominator is grit. I don't know anybody that's great that didn't have grit, that didn't work hard, that didn't, you know, I think the, 
I read, a, there's a book called, by Archie Mann. It's called Living Real, R-E-A-L. Persistence is the greatest talent I think a man can, can uh, possess. And it's funny when I read that in the book, because I got mad at my dad when I was young. I said, I have no gift. I have no special gift. He goes, because I, I always had to work so hard for everything. He says, no, man, you have persistence. I said, that's the worst superpower ever. Who wants to be persistent, man, who just keeps getting knocked out until he doesn't get knocked out anymore? He says, think about what you said. He gets knocked out till he gets knocked out no more. He said, now what do they do with him? Because they can't knock him out anymore. I said, oh, he said, they can't knock you out anymore because you found another way. You found whether you learn how to fight or whether you learn how to find another way to navigate it, but you found another way. I said, okay, this persistent thing ain't bad. And then I, I, I tell people sometimes, uh, well, you no, know, every book you ever read on positive thinking, you should welcome, especially early in life when you're trying to build character, obstacles. Mm -hmm. You don't want the path to be easy because if it's easy, you're in line with a bunch of people. What do you do sometimes when you're driving traffic? You see that long line, you try to find that little way to get around. It might be through a back way. You know, somebody, hey, I got a back way. I know a back way. It might be a little harder way to go. But you know what? That's what you have to do sometimes. Like, man, let me take my own path. Let me find my, my own way. So I would tell somebody trying to be a comic, man, this is a different world than I came up. You can't do comedy the way we did it. We were able to develop and work in clubs all over the, all over the country, all over the world. Nowadays, you're doing a lot of stuff online. Everybody's trying to go viral. I'm thinking sometime, man, put your damn phone down, look around and see life. Sometimes, man, you, the joke is out there if you just put the damn phone down and start seeing things. Because social media is not social. We're social media, my generation. Y'all are something else. Social means you sit with people, you talk to people, good, bad, whatever. They don't believe what I believe in. You still have no choice. Now with this little phone, you can avoid anybody you don't like. I'll cut your comments off. I'll delete you. You're gone. You're out of here. In real life, you can't swipe left or right, bro. You get, If you swipe on left or right, you're touching people. It's a whole different thing when you got to move people out the way with your hand. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I would say swim upstream like a salmon. If you're a comic, everybody's swimming that way, swim upstream, man. Get strong. Go to path. They say, man, what are you doing? If somebody ever asks you that, you're doing the right thing. Man, what are you doing? All right. I'm different. It might not it might not pan out right away, but at least you have the guts to try. At least you have the persistence. Yeah. And that's one of my uh, favorite quotes. Have you, you ever seen the movie Rocky? Yeah. That's one of my favorite quotes from, or my favorite message from Rocky. I'm not, I don't know if it's a direct quote from the series, but there's a saying out there that every champion is once a contender who refused to give up. Every, you know what? I watched Rocky 20 times. I was in college in, in Denver, University of Denver. I would catch a bus downtown Denver and I have to walk back or try to hitchhike back. Rocky, I said, that's my life. I watched Rocky, I said, and I was what, 18, 19 years old? I said, there it mm -hmm. is. I said, there it is. I kept watching it like nobody wanted him. If you know the story about Sylvester Stallone, Mm -hmm. he, wrote, he wrote that script and they said, we'll buy the script from you. We don't want you in it. He said, what? They said, we want the script. Think if he had sold that script, thinking he'd get another shot. What if he had sold that script, thinking he'd have another shot? We wouldn't have Rocky. We wouldn't have Rambo. We, we wouldn't have none of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And did you yeah. hear the motivational story behind it? How basically Rocky was almost his last hope? Yes. It was almost. It was. He sold it his was. dog. It, he sold his dog. That's how low his life was getting. That's why, he had, 
That's why he had the dog in the movie. Remember he had the dog with the, with the bow around it in the movie? Yep. yep. And the minute, because the minute he sold the script, the first thing he did was find the guy who had the dog yep. and pay back for double the price that he sold it. But he still bought it back. Yeah. And he basically, like I said, he went from nothing. Like he, this was his. Fighting. He was that boy from Philly. He was that dude from Philly trying to, trying to figure the way he talked. Remember, he wasn't cool yet. Rocky didn't wear no cool clothes. He had the little hat, he had the little ball. And his brother Frank was singing it. Remember that street corner choir? Yeah. His brother Frank was singing in that, man. Take it yeah. back. Do, 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 do. Take it back. Dude, that was all that, man. Yep. That was, that's one of my favorite songs. But my all time favorite song is Gonna Fly Now. That the was train, it. That, that song. That training montage. That training. That, you know, people ate the egg. You know how many people, you know how unhealthy that is? You know how many people cracked the egg after that? <laughs> I, I was almost one of them. I texted my friend in medical school. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some serious training. They got like a marathon coming up. Because there's oh. actually a Rocky Marathon in Philly. Oh, and, is it? Yeah. It's in November. They canceled it this year, obviously, but yeah. I ran it with my uh, godmother one year. But I was training for it, and I'm like, okay, you're going to med school. I'm going into this uh, race here. How healthy is this thing? And he just texted me back, like, at least five health concerns. Like, no, man. Salmonella, yada, you get salmonella, dude. You kill yourself. <laughs> I'm just pissed that they took his statue down, man. They did? I think the statue's gone. I think, if I, if I remember correctly, man, check on for me, but I think the statue is gone. I think they took down the Rocky. Look, I'm going to check. I think they took the Rocky statue down. Is it part of that, it part of that whole statue movement? Like that whole. That no, they, this, no, this was like before all this. How long ago was it? Because I visited it in like 2018 and it was still there. Let's see. I'm going to find it right now. Recent, like this year or last year. Man. I don't think they took that. I don't know. I don't think so. But I don't like know why I'm saying it, man. I don't. Okay. City officials who argued that the Rocky statue was not art, but a movie prop. Eventually. Oh, they moved it to the front of the Philadelphia spectrum. Yes. They took it from that spot. You can't run up the steps to it anymore. No, you. it's at the bottom of the steps. I remember that. No, yeah. it's, but it's, it's at the Philadelphia spectrum now. They moved it. Uh, okay. Oh, they returned it. We moved it to the front of the uh, spectrum, but on. September of 2006, it was returned to the art museum and placed on a pedestal in a grassy area near the foot of the steps. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So I, I guess yeah. I guess people got pissed, man. Oh, definitely. That's an iconic statue. Yeah, but they moved it. They yeah. took it to the spectrum, and people were coming to Philly to run up the steps to the statue. Uh huh. And it's still there. It's still at the bottom. I've taken a photo yeah. before. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like I told you before, I go to Delaware to have those special appointments. Okay. And one time when I went with my parents, I said. Can we make a stop in Philly before all this was going on? Uh huh. Want to run up those stairs and see that statue? I want to take a family photo with that statue and run up those stairs. Have you but ever now run the up statues at the bottom? Now yeah. you ain't got to run up. It, 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 exactly. It's at yeah. the bottom of the grass. <laughs> have you have you ever run up that sta those stairs yeah. before? Yes, man. Um, I think so. I think Stallone said it in the in a in the first Creed movie. It's like. You look up there and you can see your whole life in front of you. Like you can just see. Yeah, man. That shot, that shot where he's at the top of the stairs and he's doing this, man. You know, you almost felt, you almost felt. Okay, oh. let, me tell, let me tell how powerful the Rocky movie was. They had black folks hoping that the white guy would knock out the black guy. Mm -hmm. you, you know how hard that is? They, we, we was loving Rocky so much. We wanted him to beat Apollo, man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that doesn't happen much, bro. <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, but that is that movie changed my life. Um, like you mentioned your dad beforehand. Yeah. That movie helped me through a tough time. I think I told yeah. you about my grandfather when the last time we talked. Mm-hmm. The guy who basically made me more than half of who I am today and everything. My why and I really fell in love with Rocky was back in 2014 when my grandfather had an ICU scare. Okay. He had lung cancer. I'll make it. I'll make it a quick story. He had lung cancer, and um, he lived on a lung and a half for at least ten years. And in 2014, the good lung collapses. Wow. So he's in wow. ICU, but my wow. grandfather was persistent, like you said. Yeah. Don't give up. Give up. He gave it his all. He bounced back from that. He lived a few months after that. He unfortunately passed on my little brother's birthday, which is kind of a tough day for all of us, you know. But uh-huh. um, but he bounced back and he persisted. And I'll never forget this because you mentioned your faith. I'm a very faithful person too. I'm a yeah. former missionary. I traveled, you know, I traveled our nation and with the team and spoke about God's love, and you know, just spoke to all the youth and young adults. And I remember in between visits for the ICU scare, because I was in college back then, I came home uh-huh. weekend and saw him. I remember going to my grandmother's church and just begging the Lord, just eye to eye one more time. Yeah. It's the last time. Yeah. yeah. I'm not asking you to make him get up and walk out of this hospital. I just want to see him eye to eye one more time, just to let him know that I'm here and that I, you know, that he is, that he like, just to let him know. I don't care if it's for five. I don't care if it's just a quick peek. I see his eye. Good night. So we prayed and um, we prayed about it and we, or I prayed about it. And then I go back to the hospital with my grandmother because I walk up with her during the communion line and everything. So uh-huh. I go back with her. Me and her are the first two people to go back there. A nurse is doing her rounds and having wow. a whole, like, a whole speech about, you know, like, this level's good. This level's good. I'll come back to check on this. She turns uh-huh. around and goes, I, hey, you got company. My grandmother, who we was married to for over 40 years, speaks and has, a again, a one-person conversation. Both uh-huh. of these times, my grandfather doesn't even twitch, doesn't even move, doesn't do anything. He's just laying there like, like he was before. Then my grandmother finally goes, oh, and there's someone else who came to see you. Two words. Hey, Papa. Eyes wide open. Not like the wide open, like the fluttering. Yeah. Like you just waking up and wide yeah. open and you just remembered something really important. Yeah. So I hope. So you got that. what you needed, man. You got that last, you got that last goodbye. Uh-huh. Oh, I got more yeah. than that afterwards because he bounced back after that. Oh, he and did? Yeah, he bounced out of that. He, oh. like I said, he was persistent. Oh. Yeah. He oh. was persistent and he, you know, he gave it, he had a few more months left. He wow. had a, they were, they were tough months. Oh, I didn't know. So I didn't know that. Yeah. Like I said, he was persistent, you know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, when I say he was really like, he was, when I say he taught me how to, he taught me what your dad taught you, never give up. Yeah. That's how he taught me never to give up. Because right. he told me that never, like, you know, no matter what, even if the odds are against you, even if the doctors are about to announce you dead, uh-huh. as long as you still got a breath in your lung, as long as you still got a heart that's beating, you're keeping, you're keep moving, you know? Cool, so, man. That's cool, man. Absolutely. That's real cool, bro. 
and I hope and pray that that is the relationship you have with your grandson one day, you know? Yeah, we will, dude. We will. That's going to be my little man, dude. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what, yeah. you know, I explained this on an earlier episode. That's how Buddy Cast got its name. My grandfather inspired a lot of things to this podcast today. I'll give you a quick rundown, and then I'll ask you my final question. So my grandfather, number one, I was Buddy. All right. I was Buddy. Anytime I walk into a room, hey, my bud's here. Hey, guys, come meet my buddy. Anytime you call him on the phone, hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> the other thing about my grandfather, a lesson that he taught me was that everyone is as important as anyone. Yeah, right. they are. You are. I mean, they are. They are, bro. You That's are my dad. That's yes. my dad. You are a special guest. You're important. Yeah, I was honored when I heard I could have you on the show. At the same time, I and I don't take this the wrong way when I say this. You yeah. know, yeah, man. I value you as much as I value the street vendor who I'm going to be talking to on thir- on next Thursday because yes. you're supposed to, man. Exactly, exactly. Not because, again, I value you, and I'm not, you know, doing that. But at the same time. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a life. Everybody has something you can learn from. Dude, everybody has a story. Everybody has something you can learn from. I think one thing, I think one thing COVID has done is uh, a lot of a lot of entertainers have got to have had to humble themselves and talk to people different. Most entertainers have been able to just walk around and be all this and that, but dude, that day is not around anymore. Not right now. I don't know what's gonna come back, but it changed. It mm-hmm. like we we would dog like the influencers and the people out here. Man, how's how you got three million followers and he can't do anything? Well, they showed you you can get followers and no talent just because you talk to people. But I think some of them have got to learn to quit tripping too because you're a so-called influencer. Like, well, I'm an influencer. Well, what do you influence, dude? Mm-hmm. Well, you show them how to use some soap or something like what 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 is your what is your real game? Mm-hmm. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Who are you? You right now. You're just a person with a camera and doing everything you can to get, get get people to follow you. That means you're begging people to follow you. But if you do this game right, you can actually say to people, "You can follow me or not." Mm-hmm. This is who I am. See, I'm not begging for followers. I'm like this. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to do anything with me. But this is who I am. If you want to come on my journey with me, you want to jump in the car. Go ahead and jump in the car. But if you want to get out, I will stop and let you get out because mm-hmm. that's what I think what life is all about, man. Because I'd say if I see one more influencer by the swimming pool with the hair and makeup. I said, these folks are barely to making it. And you got your new outfit and everybody's going, oh God, you look so great. Thank you. Yeah, I just got my my new line. Oh, thank you. I'm like, are you not aware of what's going on out here? Mm-hmm. COVID is kind of an inconvenience to them. Like, oh, I'd be glad I can get to back to my thing. I said, dude, people are trying to just get back to eating. People are trying to get back to having a job. People are trying to get back to getting a kid in school. And you worried about showing your body online or getting your little line of clothes out or your Mm -hmm. shoes out, which is important if that's what you do. But you always have to be aware of the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that actually brings me a little bit into my next question for you. And this is the final one. For anyone out there who wants to be an actor, and I feel good about Mm -hmm. asking because you just mentioned something about it. You know, you've mentioned a bunch of humility lessons for them. What's your advice? I'm gonna be an actor. Don't just be an actor. Be a filmmaker. Be a scriptwriter. Don't sit and wait. With this new generation, with new cameras and everything that's available, why would you sit and hope that somebody picks you? That's like being on the sideline playing basketball and hope somebody pick you. Man, create your own league. Put your own team together. You know, my thing is this: 
coming up. I, I even grabbed high eight cameras back in the day. And I'm mad at myself because I didn't do more of that because I did. I created my own way. But then I got caught up in like, thinking I had earned something. I should have never stopped. So at 64, I'm going back to what I was when I started. You're not going to tell me when I'm hot. You're not going to tell me when I'm funny. Because that way you can't tell me when I'm not funny. I'm not going to give you that that pleasure. I'm not going to give you that place in my life. So I tell you, if you're going to be an actor, write something. Write a script and put yourself in your own movie. Spike Lee did it. That's what that's what St Stallone did. That's what Matt Damon did with Ben Affleck. Dude, you create, you create something. The world needs more creators. Everybody wants to be a disruptor, whatever the hell a disruptor is. Now it becomes hip. If everybody's a disruptor, how are you going to get a movie done? Everybody can't disrupt. Just do something. Quit worrying about me. I'm a disruptor. No, you're just a person nobody likes. There's a difference between being a disruptor and somebody that can't get along with people. Create something, man. Create something. We'll tell you if you're outside the box. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. On that note, thank you so much for being a buddy on BuddyCast. Cool, I man. Enjoyed your time. And it was an honor and a pleasure having you. Like I said, stick around. Me. Yeah, stick around a minute. But thank right. you so much for just everything. You're one of my favorite actors, one of my favorite comedians. So when I heard that I had the opportunity to have you on the show, you can ask my mother. I cool, man. <laughs> in, the, in the living room. So, but for all my cool. buddies out there, this is my new buddy Sinbad. Thank you again for being on the show. And as I leave all of my buddy casts now. I have one message for everyone, including you, Sinbad. Go be someone's buddy today. All right, man. All right. Thank you but so wear much. wear face mask, but wear face mask. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Be safe. All righty. We'll catch you next Ooh. time here on Buddy right, Cast. Take care, bro. Thank you.